Yeah, and it's it's applicable to any area of your life. And for I think you're this way. Um, I think a, a ton of people in our office are this way. But it's like I firmly believe that, and or just want to live my life in a way where I'm improving on every aspect of myself at all times. Like not necessarily um, <laughs> all all things are you know being focused on equally at the same time. But I want to get better at my my job, my career, my professional skills. I want to keep improving on, you know, my physique and my fitness and and where I'm taking that. I want to improve just as a good person and push myself to be things that I don't see myself naturally doing. Like I think over the last couple of years, I've become a lot more extroverted. I think I've become more extroverted. I think I've become a kinder person. Um, I think I treat people better than I used to just, and those are sort of tied together. And it's, I'm, I'm always searching for, for personal improvement. And I think competitors in a lot of way can relate to that because you're, you're your own worst enemy a lot of the times. Like you're your own harshest critic if you're serious about it and you're able to be objective because you'll look in the mirror and you'll be able to easily see all the things you need to work on and all the things you need to improve. And, and a lot of times people make the assumption that somebody who's very into fitness or a competitor is self-absorbed. You know, look at that person. They're taking like selfies at the gym and, um, (laughs) you know, or they're just, you know, they won't shut up about how much they're working out and stuff. But it's a lot of ways, I think, and I've heard this from a lot of male bodybuilders is it's it's almost can be like an inner demon or like, you know, the gym is therapy or it's like you don't know what's inside my head. You don't know how hard I am on myself. Um, yeah, I may look great, but what I, what you see and what I, and the other person may see may not be different. Like you might look at someone and say, wow, they look so amazing. And in their head, they're thinking, oh man, I still need to add 20 more pounds of muscle here. I need to add here. I need to lose here to, to be my best. So you never, you never really know. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we could go into that too for a while. Uh, it goes back to the mental health piece. Um, so you intentionally, I wanted to go back and ask you a question about sure. the kindness, the being more extroverted. So you intentionally tried to improve with those things? Being more extroverted, yes. Being more outgoing, yes. Um, and I don't know where that came from. I think... That's actually where I, what my question's <laughs> about. I am fascinated. Where did that come Maybe, Maybe it was, I don't know. I don't know if it's here at work. I mean, we are a small group and everyone is pretty introverted. But um, I think part of it... We've kind of touched on this idea a couple times. I think number one, when you're uncomfortable, that's where the growth happens. And definitely here, but even to an extreme extent, my pra- my past job where I was traveling, doing field work, fixing pumps, flow meters, um, you know, flying ac- across the country to like check solutions of, you know, bioremediation chemicals. Like I was just winging it like it was just kind of organized chaos I was put in so many stressful situations that pushed me um, to still keep my composure to figure things out when normally I would have said oh I can't that pump's broken I need someone to help me that would have been my response and you the option had I the option (laughs) had I the option and I was in so many situations where it's like, well, you're the only person. That pump is broken. You need that pump. What are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, it really pushed me to, to change and develop myself as a person. And I think I also just 
was put in a lot of new scenarios. I was put in a lot of new scenarios. I was meeting a lot of new people project to project all the time. So I think that helped a little bit. And then also once I did kind of switch over and I was in Orange County more, being from the Midwest, my network of people, you know, my people are not here. My people are, my family is kind of spread out across the country. I have a small family. And it just got to a point where I realized, you know, I need to make friends. I need to build a network here. I need to put down roots if this is where I see myself living permanently. If this is what I want to call home, I need to find my people and I need to branch out. And so so I think there was a conscious effort for me to be more outgoing or for at least for me to make friends. And then over time, especially in fitness, I feel like that has also helped me become more outgoing. Um you know, a couple years ago, I would say confidence was something I was working on. And I still work on it. I still need to work on it. Um, but fitness, you know, getting better at fitness, getting better at competing, feeling more comfortable in the gym has also translated to me just feeling more comfortable in life. And, and so that's been great. And so I, you know, things I never used to do where I used to keep more to myself, I'll start conversations with strangers which is a very extrovert thing to do if you if you yeah, want to if you want to stereotype an anxiety reaction right now. Yeah, that, right. That just sounds awful. No, but this is this is an example I use when I talk to people because one thing I'll get um, people will ask me a lot, how do you get sponsorships or how do you get brands to help you with competing because competing is an expensive hobby. Um, and I always say be more outgoing, network, meet people. And some of it is a, a great example was so last year I worked um, an event and I was you know had the the brand's clothing on I was dressed up nicely because I was going to be at an expo so you know hair and makeup is done I'm in my fitness clothes and there was a woman I would always see in my building's elevator and she my guess was that she was a real estate agent or something because she was always dressed very nice um, like you know dresses like kind of business dresses and she always had this little um, wagon not like a kind of like a red flyer, but a, a nicer Costco version. And it would have like cookies and drinks and stuff with it. Like she was bringing it to and from maybe open houses. And I always kind of speculated that, that was her profession. And for whatever reason on that day, I just started a conversation with her. I said, hey, it was really random. Are you a real estate agent? I think I was just curious. And she's like, oh, sort of, you know, I sell um, timeshares. And then she asked me, are you a trainer? Because obviously I'm dressed up. You know, I'm in my I'm in my clothes, and at that time, I was I was doing personal training part time, and so boom, I got a client that I worked with for months and months. Oh, her consistently, yeah. We exchanged information. I had a I had like a business card on me. We exchanged information, and just by me, kind of just asking a question, I was curious about what she did. Always seeing her outfits and her little her little wagon full of cookies and drinks and stuff, and and just that opener. You know, we made that connection. Obviously, you know, I'm at a place where I had the skills and the ability to convert that from a conversation to a client. But just an example like that, it's like you have to put yourself out there. You have to be a little friendly or make conversation with people um, to to make connections. I'm going through my growth mindset dialogue right now because I want to do that. But, man, I struggle to. Yeah. And it's like talk to the person in line next to you, right? I, that, I have not gotten to that point. I'm trying to go to more networking events, but yeah. your story is like dead on with a dead on example of where that came out of nothing. Yeah. And you had you did it at home in the elevator. and 
Wow. <laughs> so a client. I'm always fascinated though, like when someone makes a life change by that. Like, what was the synthesis of it? What What was the thought that made you say I was going to do something different? What What was the condition that Yeah. That led you to make want to change and. I like to explore that a lot when I when I when I talk to people and. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing was maybe me just recognizing that I love I love Southern California. I want this to be home. And I recognize like I don't really have people here. I don't really have a network here. Like I, you know, I know some people, but I don't have like a solid support system. And if I want that, I'm an adult. It's not just going to show up up here. I got to go meet people. I got to make friends. I got to put myself out there. And a couple years later, I really feel like I have that now. Especially with our... Um SoCal hospitality, right? Yeah. Oh, my neighbor's outside. I guess I won't go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people don't people don't say hi to each other here. Yeah, people don't like of, to make eye contact. I've heard a lot of people from the Midwest enough for me to realize it's a real thing. They're like, "Wow, it's a lot different out here." Yeah, people are kind of rude here, <laughs> but when you, the thing is, is when you do, I yeah, and it, this is a total generalization. I think people from the Midwest are always. Most of the time, they're more friendly, they're more down to earth, they're a little bit maybe more humble, more hardworking than maybe specifically just Orange County, because I've only lived in Orange County since I've been in SoCal. Um, when you find good people here, you just hold on to them, is what I've realized. When you find someone where you're like, wow, this is a great, special person, you've got to be willing to show up as a friend and to put the effort in like even when you don't want to like friends will invite you to stuff where it's like hey I'm you know I'm doing this dinner or or this and that and it's like oh I'm gonna be tired because I'm gonna work that day but it's like you gotta if you want that friend you gotta show up you gotta you gotta put in the work so it's I think one thing as you do get a little older in your early 20s I think it's harder to tell as you get older you can tell what types of friendships you want or you could have with people and so it sort of helps you figure out like I don't need to be friends with everyone um some people it might just be a superficial you know acquaintance and some people you really hit it off with and they seem great and it's like those are the people you want to invest your time and energy and not skip their birthdays when even if you don't want to do whatever it is they have planned because they're your friend so um, i think in the midwest too you know especially in smaller towns you may depend on each other to pull each other out of snow and <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing if, if we had more you. weather maybe californians would be more friendly i'm having trouble getting out of my driveway wow okay yeah <laughs> well, what's in the way nothing <laughs> Don't call me. Text me. <laughs> so, I guess for your listeners about you, I think you found us. You found your job, our job, through LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I think I had started texting you um, about initial phone call screenings or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it might have been the first inter- actual in-person interview, but you couldn't do it. You pushed it off one week, and I, I kind of found out later about this job and what you did that you're literally driving a. Uh, a semi up to Bakersfield or something yep. or Santa Barbara <laughs> yes. was like I can't do Wednesday because I will be driving a truck for 14 hours with my coworker out. in the car yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, bad time <laughs> you asked me a question that I thought I would cover and I think you know people are smart your listeners have probably got the message by now but you 
maybe I can show them appreciation uh, and you. you. You asked, how do you think the whole growth mindset idea could relate to fitness and fitness competitors? And I, I wrote some answers out just to do some, some thinking about it. And I mainly just want to cover it. Just maybe it provides a different framing for someone. And uh, how do I think it can relate to fitness? I, I think it's everything. Um, you know, you creatures are uh, amazing habits of amazing examples of dedication, habit, and a lot of sacrifice. And, and then you talk about that, you, you talk about athletics and body, especially bodybuilding, gains are slow. Plateaus are involved. Those are frustrating. Um, hunger strikes, particularly, and you know, the kind of craft you're in, but I've, I've been through some of that, so that's why I can speak to it. Um, I more went through my hunger strikes out of necessity to lose 50 pounds or <laughs> to get to like baseline health versus yeah. optimal. But uh, injury setbacks are a big deal, especially when you start getting like a huge, uh, huge momentum going with some mm-hmm. program. And especially if you're just starting, you're like, man, I'm starting to see the games. I'm starting to like it. And you might, you might injure yourself and you're going to have to dive back in and you're going to have to make up ground. Um, you do laundry 24-7, right? <laughs> yeah, I go through it on prep. Oh, my gosh. The amount of gym clothes I go through. It's like two outfits a day. Ugh, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's one thing that one of the items I bounced out of triathlon for is I just kind of... Too much laundry. I was over nope. That. I'm out. Food prep, making your training plans, thinking your periodization, focusing on your form. I mean, sometimes I guess that can be fun, but even then... Uh, you don't get to stay out late. You don't get to eat donuts bought in. So here at work, one guy <laughs> buys donuts every Friday. And when I mean every Friday, I mean more reliable than the post office. And Laura, for like two years, just walks by. Even in fact, there's probably four or five times that he missed work. And so you went and bought them and didn't eat any of the donuts that you bought. <laughs> and the people around you just... <laughs> Yeah, open office The chocolate was not as good, but I'm going to try cinnamon instead. <laughs> and you don't even a bite, right? Uh, and then I was kind of thinking too, my understanding of the, the industry is even compounded more if you're doing trying to do this when you're female, especially trying to get to the pro level where you, you got to hustle more and make more things happen. Um, so my guess is you and your, your peers, a lot of... Especially, especially the ones that maybe have had some success already have a growth mindset. You might not have the context to think about it mm-hmm. in this way, but uh, I think that's where it applies. And um, Did you quit after the first time you couldn't walk after lunges? <laughs> first time you woke up hungry and had to eat light again for your goal? Um, and repeating that, those little examples literally hundreds if not thousands of times each year you do this. Did you sign up for another show? in another training cycle after not placing as well as you wanted? Why did you sign up? A lot of people are going to say, yeah, I did. Well, okay, why did you do that? And why didn't you quit? That, that you know, you might think about, think about that you do embody this. I, I think some people too, um, it, is it in a positive manner? Because a lot of us will re-engage in something, but we don't, feel positive about it and some lot of times we're not even aware of it and that's kind of what the productive learning made me realize is mm-hmm. it made me realize a lot of the goals i pursued are really not for i guess you'd call positive reasons and um and why that's mattered more as i get older is mo- tapping into that kind of motivation 
start to get old after a while. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't felt that yet, my words aren't going to mean you anything, but aren't going to mean anything to whoever's listening. But uh, I'm starting, I've started to feel that a few times, like, you know, signing up for half marathons mm-hmm. or whatever and not having, running out of juice halfway. Yeah. And, and kind of like one of the, one of the coaches asked me, well, why are you doing it? And, I, I had no answer. I feel answer. like I should. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It was like, yeah. I don't know, to have, I didn't literally say this, but I don't know, felt like I needed it for self-worth or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty advanced concept. It takes quite a lot of exposure to various things. Like yeah. That point, but I like talking Be openly. very insightful. I like talking openly about this kind of stuff because it, 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 it just kind of acknowledges our humanity as we go through these achievements, what we're trying to do with career, professionally, personally. Um, um, and, it, you know, it's just the humanity of it. We are humans. And and I think I, I've seen some people demonstrate for me, and I kind of try to do that too, that uh, being more honest like this, I think, helps people. I think some people might are a little turned off by it and they might think you're a little neurotic, but overall... Mm-hmm. It's just, hey, I'm going to stay out in the open, you know, and all days are perfect. Yeah. And I, you don't, what, what's the standard greeting? How are you doing? Good. <laughs> a lot of times that's not the case. Yeah. Well, how, are you real, gonna, how are you really doing? How are you really doing? <laughs> anyway, so that's, yeah. that's kind of why I talk about things in this kind of manner. And... Yeah. One thing I was uh, talking with some girlfriends, uh, we were doing an episode recording is, one thing I'm trying to be more aware of and work on is the concept of should, like I should be, I should, I should do a half marathon or I should do a marathon or by age 30, I should be doing X, Y, Z. Like those expectations, those are things that you kind of put on yourself. Um, Maybe they've come from, you know, parents or upbringing or things other people have said to you. But at the end of the day, all of that's in your own head, and I think a lot of it can drive you crazy if you don't get rid of it. So, um, well, I or at least learn to manage it. One thing I've, I've or recognize found it, yeah, insightful as I've tried to pursue changing my mindset, or I should say, changing my outlook. I don't want to tie it to the mindset concept, but uh, it's been important for me to see people acknowledge that you know a lot of those kind of internal conversations, you don't really eradicate them but you can learn how to manage them and lessen their impact and lessen their frequency. And for me, that's been really important to, uh, to learn because so you don't have false promise that I can go do something or I'll see some person or I'll get some achievement and all that self-talk will go away. You know, a lot of our psychology is pretty deep and it. Some of those inner dialogue will never go away mm-hmm. but you can learn to manage it you can learn to feel yeah. it better you can learn where it came from so you yeah. can understand it more sometimes maybe you can accept it um but it's not like i think a lot of times including myself i've been chasing a silver bullet and there's no silver bullet yeah yeah one of the big takeaways for me when i did the first productive learning workshop so i've done two of of these workshops um through the company productive learning we mentioned the first one I did, not this summer, but that would have been summer 2017. And that was that one was huge for me because I think what I took away from that, that one is a little bit more open-ended. And you come in into it with something in your life you want to work on. And and I left with a big takeaway that my confidence was nowhere near where it should be. 
Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's process that. Yeah. What do, what do you mean should be? Okay, okay. Well, I was going to say, I'm a, I'm a should liver. So when you said that, it just instantly resonated. Yeah, so what is it? So, so the unconscious assumption. So it was this workshop where you have to identify what your unconscious assumption is. And I think the way I live my life is I'm always trying to achieve things. And underlying that is the idea that like no matter what I accomplish, it's not enough. Or it's like yeah, I'm not yeah. good enough no matter what I do. And I'm the, I'm the person where I have an accomplishment like yesterday. Just one, you know, first place, both my categories of my show. That was amazing. But I'm typically the type of person that achieves it celebrates for about 0.2 seconds and then is like okay what am I doing next where am I at okay I'm at point zero. what's the next goal what do I do um and that workshop was huge for me because what it did was not only did I recognize that about myself but they they gave you the concept of learning to identify that self-talk and then question it why am I you know if I have this thought pop up of like man I'm feeling crummy about myself right now like, why? What what did I do? Or what did I just interact with? Like, did I spend too much time on Facebook? Did I, you know, um, flip through a magazine and I'm looking at, like, people's 50 most beautiful people in the world? Or, like, or whatever, you know, what did I do that is triggering this? Or what triggered this thought? Because you kind of you kind of can bring it back and rationalize it. Like, no, I'm actually, I'm doing okay. I'm happy with myself. I've got a lot of good things going for me, like relax a little, be kind to yourself. And and if you learn to at least identify that you're having those thoughts, you can start to question them. But it doesn't mean they're going to go away. Yeah, I don't so, have anything more to add. I agree yeah. with all that. I've lived all that. Yeah, I'm but it's just huge. I continue to, to yeah. some degree, but I'm getting smarter and wiser yeah. to it and maybe... Where it came from, but yeah, should, man. You, you struck me with that word, because mm-hmm. that's actually become my, um, what do you call it, shorthand. I'll call it my shouldness or whatever, right? And it means all this other stuff we talk about. But uh, And I, I guess one thing that's really important for me is I don't, if I can, I don't want to put that kind of weight on my daughters. And so that's where I started really, really leaning into mm-hmm. um trying to figure this stuff out for myself. And you know, it's kind of interesting is, I, I had wrote to one of your questions, like what were your achievements or whatnot? And I, I came up with a bunch and, um, um, but I'm now, even just recently, maybe the past year or two, I realized how many of those have come out of uh, uh, thinking I should be farther along than I am currently. Mm-hmm. No matter what, it doesn't matter what it is and I, I want to transfer as little as that as I can. Uh, I ran into this quote. I have this this one app I use, and it hit me with a quote. It was yesterday, Friday, Friday, Thursday or Friday, and it said, "What you say to your kids will become their inner voice." Mm-hmm. And so that's where you know it, it just reminded me of the stakes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I won't say like all the things that people have heard on this podcast are all depend on my parents because I I try to think through some of the history and. I really don't remember it being that verbally obvious, but anyway. Oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being told, uh, Laura, you should get more A's next semester. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, I have very, I have some very tangible examples, but no, I mean, not to brag on my parents. I love my parents, but 
Um, no, lot, I just think there's I think, a lot of good things that come out of these achievements, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But it's I think now I'm at a point where I recognize my motivations for doing things more. Where when I was younger, I just felt like. I had to do things and I didn't understand why I just felt and it's a lot of it I look back and I'm like I think that was just a self-esteem thing or I just needed that to you know trigger some self-worth or whatever it was and now it's like I have a much clearer vision about why I want to do something why it's worth my time um and just knowing if knowing if it's a good use of my time or not like I don't feel the need to go do things if I'm just like oh this is just for my self-worth I, I try to find a deeper motivation or a deeper reason to you know spend what little free time I have on anything I think you and I are um Laura and I have talked about this kind of stuff a lot so we kind of already have a familiarity but um and we've been through some of the same workshops but uh um I think some of those things you talk about what comes to mind is if you can think back all the years that you were chasing stuff for that reason, did you actually feel about it at the time? Did you know? Did you say this doesn't feel good? For me, at least, a lot of times I didn't. You know, I, I think the overall tone was kind of there to my, my thinking and my experience, but I, I was not aware enough to actually put it in that context. You know, that maybe I'm not having a lot of fun achieving this goal, mm-hmm. um, or at least I'm not looking forward to it. And mm-hmm. I, I hope for anyone where this kind of thing would help them that uh, we're kind of opening the door to that and realizing we're, we're talking at a slightly higher level where we've kind of realized some of this. But, but if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're on this kind of path, you may not even recognize it as first. You know, you're having fun chasing your goal. If not, it's probably one of the signs, you know, that, um, that there's an opportunity to flip the motivation if you, mm-hmm. if you do some work. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot, you said something else I was going to comment on, but... Uh, yeah yeah and I a lot of a lot of me and my experience growing up was just I felt very compelled to do things like I had to get all A's I had to get into an Ivy League school I had to um, you know make Dean's List every semester and I, I think at that time my worldview was almost more like fatalistic like I didn't know what life was going to be like outside of achievements in school and grades because I did do really well in that area. Um, I just felt like, oh, if I don't get into the Ivy League school, then I'm not going to get a good job. I'm not going to make money. I'm not going to be able to support myself. And it was sort of like that type of almost fatalistic worldview. So it's like I had to do all of this stuff to be okay or to live whatever life I thought I was going to have. Um, Catastrophizing. No. <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. I like, still do that some, just sometimes. And it was a great motivation. I cranked out a lot of hours studying in college. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I also, you know, I look back and um, there are times where I definitely stressed myself out needlessly. Like there was an ex- there's an, a very concrete example when I was a freshman and I was taking um, a calculus exam that I had studied a ton for. And I was really nervous about it and I went and took it and I felt like I did not do well. And I came home and I cried after that test and I got it back and I got a 95 on it. (laughs) Right? Do you remember processing that at the time? Um, Yeah, I remember. How ridiculous it all was? When I got, yeah, oh, I remember how, yeah, I was so stressed out. And like I was the type of person where I'd be, you know, I did not procrastinate. 
But when I would come up to tests and midterms and stuff and I didn't feel ready, I would stay up till 2 a.m. if I needed to and then get up at 5 a.m. If I, you know, worst case scenario, I never pulled full all-nighters in college. I'd get up at 5 a.m., study before 7 a.m., 7.30 midterm if I had to. And that was one of those ones where I was up late. I was up early studying. I remember studying before the test, taking it, feeling like I didn't nail it, going home, you know, very strong emotional reaction, and then getting the test back and being like, Laura, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. Like, why did you do that? <laughs> Once you catch on to the should word, it is just everywhere. You shouldn't have cried, so that probably triggered, like, some other form of self-judgment. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a mess. But I, I don't know. I look back, and I'm like, you know what? I appreciate... I'm so glad. And in a lot of ways, it's like, who cares? Um, what's done is done. In a lot of ways, I'm glad I was a hardworking person. Like, I'd rather be, have that background and, you know, have grinded it out through school and early on in my career to be where I'm at now. Like, even the last job I had, it was really tough, but I appreciated the opportunities it provided, um, what it did for me professionally. And in just being in so many new, uncomfortable situations, it pushed me really hard out of my comfort zone. And so I had to grow in a lot of different areas just to survive for several years. And you did, right? Yeah, and I did. So it goes Um, back to like, you had multiple small successes that you yeah you saw a trend for raised yeah. your confidence I think yeah that's kind of ultimate oh flow meter about. is broken okay i got this like <laughs> that's that's <laughs> usually what that looked like again because yeah. i didn't fix the last yeah um I, I remember the other thing it's like when i hear you talk what's really interesting to me is i look in uh you're you're probably five to eight years ahead of me with your awareness if if we compared like stages of life so that that's pretty interesting to see someone going through that and of course both of us are going like yeah but we should have been more aware 10 years before that you should you should have had two productive uh, learning workshops by the time you're 30 yeah, yeah you, should have already, you should have wrote mindset book you didn't even write it no it's um yeah no it's it's everything we do here it's it's very helpful for me and it's part of why I love working here and I think why the team's so good is because everyone kind of lives and breathes this type of stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about you with you before we start to wrap it up was... Bikinis. But we, we could talk bikinis, but <laughs> I was thinking more. I mean, we could talk that, sure. Um, thinking about how, like, do you have any types of things that you go to for just more in general, like motivation, mental toughness, things like that. Because I think you're also one in the office where you do have a very disciplined mindset. Um, You know, you've done a marathon. You'll go do 10-mile runs at lunch or after work if you feel like that's something you want to go do. Um, And in that way, you're very disciplined. Do you have any recommendations or anything that you love listening to, reading to find motivation yeah i saw that i I looked at your questions and was thinking through this and this one's actually a challenge i mean i'm just in full war with motivation at all times and kind of to how you and i were talking about uh this is one of my big should haves you should feel more motivated you should want to do more stuff and um uh and maybe to an outside i'm completely obstinate i think that's a word it is a word i mean stubborn no, okay, wrong word. I don't think I, I really 
am in tune with the optics of what I look like to someone else. So it's like you talk about, I do do those things. And I have gone on like some pretty crazy marathon plans that require tons of discipline. To me, I, even though I do it, I don't feel that way. Because I, I, I know my inner feelings. And sometimes I force myself to go do it. And that's kind of why I've geeked out on Goggins lately. Mm-hmm. Um, David Goggins. Yeah. In case In case you're not aware, he's amazing. Listen to the three-hour podcast on Joe Rogan's that he did yeah, a while that, ago. It's amazing. That, that guy's a different cat. Talk mm-hmm. about overcoming life challenges. but um, So I don't actually feel how you describe, even if that's what the results look like. So it's always... So let me see what I wrote down for motivation. Sure. Um, it looks like I wrote down, this Dude. is a struggle for me. <laughs> <laughs> And kind of just speak what it is. This is, all, this is also the most organized prep for a, for a podcast um, I've had so far. So congratulations. You are the most organized guest I've had to date. I kind of, <laughs> I have to be that way. I'm not as quick on my feet or uh, I think I have a lot of insight I can give people, but I have to do internal thinking. I'm like the traditional introvert of, I have to go spin this stuff up to think about it. If someone mm-hmm. asks me a certain thing in my head. I can really struggle and I have a lot of things that go on is someone will ask me something I won't know an answer in the spot in the meeting and I'll go write an email and mm-hmm. I'll go to another meeting where they say you completely changed my viewpoint and anyway so I, I appreciate that and I also speaking of growth mindset I've read a few articles on how to be a good podcast guest and um, I actually had already done this but uh, all the articles include preparation like come prepared like mm-hmm. ready to uh answer the questions uh anyway i we didn't get as much into my story as the script said but you know you you might hear of a lot of things i did and think i'm driven and maybe i am to some degree but uh, kind of touching in these previous topics we already got into i've realized just in the past year or two that most of that achievement and the skill increases are from feelings of inadequacy really that's what was the, the motivation and i even wrote it right here I should have been better at this already is kind of the embodiment of that. Um, and I go through many lazy times and wasting time. And I think, I think you guys would be shocked if you actually saw me at home sometimes. Uh, I guess the one difference is I'm not too social, so I have more time to go mm-hmm. do things. And that's kind of how I choose to spend it, and it's really what I need for mental recharge. Um, so I, I'm really in the middle of managing this topic, and... Age 42, a lot of things with career and whatnot come up with motivation. So so let's spin it, though, make it more positive. Um, I think the big one I've practiced recently that's new to me is uh, practicing appreciation. And so I have an app I use. And um, it, it prompts you daily what, what top three things happen today. And I can attach a picture, too. So sometimes when I'm writing it, I can also see the picture. Of, that's cool. Yeah, and a lot of times it, sometimes it's work stuff, sometimes it's you guys, because our, our peers, you, it really is an abnormal work setting. But once you get used to it, you take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you still focus on the, that we're high achievements, like you and I were talking about before. There can be a penalty of high achievement culture, and I think several of us, me and you, are learning to manage that better, um, to not make other people feel neurotic. <laughs> but uh uh, that app um it came up in productive learning multiple times for probably a year before i actually gave it a try and 
it helps me kind of reset my mind and um, that I, I don't know that that motivates me but it, it allows the space to feel motivated to do other things because if I don't I don't if I don't feel that way I'm not I'm not going to feel motivated and I'm have to, you know, I have to go through these tired tricks of calling myself names for not going out running and sometimes it works you mm-hmm. instead of like the real alternative is like remember how you felt after the run yeah I always feel amazing well why don't you go for that reason you know it makes sense on paper but it's still for some reason a hard tool for me to apply and mm-hmm. Zach and I went running this morning mm-hmm. I didn't want to nice go. and that's kind of the trick to it actually he he helps me get out more often I think sometimes it's been the reverse too. Do you want to go running on Saturday, Sunday? No. But since you asked, I guess I will. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kept it last night. It was time to like start getting to bed and my mm-hmm. wife and I are night owls. And I was like, if I'm really going to go with Zach t- yeah. tomorrow, I'm going to have to start winding this down. And uh, I was like, I don't want to do this. This is terrible. I'm kind of, <laughs> my fitness is dropping. Running's the worst. Day. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to hurt. And to help motivate, I tried to focus on do you remember how awesome you feel after a run? Do you, it, you just feel alive. You feel positive, open, young. Really, I, you know, a good way to say it is really living in the present is kind of how I feel after those things go. And I think, you know, it's probably endorphins. It's also the sense that, hey, I went out and did it. And I, I end up feeling really positive. And that did happen today. So I won't say I use that a lot. Um, or I, I don't actually put that in practice, but I know that's there. I'm just, a, I've been a slow student at, it's a new concept to me too, of trying to chase, chase that goal for that reason, as opposed to this Goggins-like, I still love Goggins and I love mm-hmm. that attitude, but mm-hmm. I hate running, but I'm going to do it anyway because my mind's men- mentally weak and it needs to be defeated, right? Yeah. And, and I've kind of seen, like I said, I've been running out of juice for that. Um, so that's one thing that's come up a lot. Um, it's kind of what goes well, how lucky I am. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm a pretty open book. And, and my wife and I were barely able to have kids. And our daughters are, uh, they're pretty, they're healthy, they're funny. Uh, relative to what a four-year-old's actually like, they're, they're mostly kind. Um, and I have to like you know pinch myself sometimes and remind myself that you may not have had kids some people can't some people don't uh, and even if you do sometimes they're not healthy right it's just mm-hmm. whew, I uh, yeah I, I'm not great at taking stock at that by default so that app's really helped me and a lot of times I can attach the image and that's where it becomes powerful they were going mm-hmm. down a slide just joy emanating from them right? yeah or or some stupid game like we were play pretend cat game where you meow like a cat and then you have to touch a wall <laughs> just, you end up that making, sounds fun making up stupid things like that you know and having a picture of that and uh that helps me stay motivated when I see that. Um, and what I'm playing with right now is starting to put in productive learning. <laughs> I've kind of realized a lot of um, a lot of things I've gone through, or the focuses I have that hey, this thing's not as good as it could be. Or and a lot of times I, I focus externally too. And I, you're probably one of the people who feels that is just hammering on something that isn't ideal. It's it's probably good enough, but it's not ideal. And uh, um, I kind of realized. 
if it's not like a true performance issue or it's not really hurting something, why why is there so much focus on that? And I kind of realized because there's nothing else to focus on, at least for me. And so what I've started to play around with is uh, putting life visions together. I'm not a good, I have not been a great um, natural at like really picturing what do I want in five years or what do I want in 10 years. I just have not really been that thinker so far. And, and actually, you know, if I just speak directly, you know, these companies had many years where, you know, it, it was looking really rough. So what's it gonna look like in five years? That was very difficult because it was like, I don't know how we're getting through tomorrow. Um, with the way things are running, and we, we've cleaned all that up, but uh, um, that kind of experience still, I'm still fighting through letting some of that go, because <laughs> it still kind of has that feel to me sometimes. Anyway, so, but part of it's like, I don't have a thing I'm personally chasing. I don't really have any goals. We talked about marathons and stuff, but that's all short term. I don't have a, in five years I want to do this. So I've been playing around with putting um, some life visions together, and one, one thing uh, their coaching showed me that I always thought visioning you had to have like, I'm going to have this many marathons done and I'll have this many, bunch of money in the bank and I will have become a director of engineering and and I will have joined mm-hmm. all of these tangible achievements and they kind of opened my mind that uh, a vision can also be how do I want to feel. You know, I, I don't want to feel stressed, I want to feel uh, like I can travel it whenever I want and not be financially burdened. and. You can use that as a goal versus, you know, if you if you just, the default is looking at LinkedIn articles or Facebook articles and say, uh, I guess I have to come up with a goal where I end up in a Lamborghini to be worthy <laughs> yeah. of a human. And yeah. That, that's a, that's uh, a bankrupt pursuit, at least it has been for me. Yeah. So I noticed putting some of those together and I just started that it kind of did change my outlook because as I do 20 years, 10 years, five years, one, I have to see my age. And that's actually kind of intimidating, but it's ultimately good because it's to make the best of it. And as I move down to the shorter increment vision, so to say, I'm starting to move down into the five, four, three, two year one visions or plans. The things you want to achieve, there's the little steps to get there that start to filter in into the annual plans. And if I want to take my daughters on a vacation every year and get them outside the country twice before they're 10, that gives me very tangible things to focus on, and those are very rewarding things to focus on, and they give me more to think about. So um, I'm not the greatest person, I think, to talk about. I'm not purely motivated, but that that's what I've been trying to do, trying to do lately that is pretty new, and I think there's really something to it. Yeah, I like that concept. It's a challenge to use the appreciation app. I'm kind of going through a dip in that, but I, I did punch some stuff in. Cool. I'll probably punch in today because the yeah. podcast opportunity and the conversation. Are awesome. Super cool. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having how having. Long, how here. long are these usually? They're usually between an hour and two hours. I've had I've had episodes go as long as two and a half. Um, and that one actually, I kind of even cut off because I I sat down with a guy I met that lost 130 pounds by teaching himself how to cook. He was like a real young guy, he's 24, I want to say, and he lost 130 pounds just by learning to cook. That's, that's more a great of a success shape. story than doing something to get the Lamborghini. It's not as fast yeah. right now, but yeah. you talk about how momentous it is. And yeah, and how many people want what he did 
too. That's so going to change his whole life. Yeah, so I want to do another one with him. He's working on putting together a cookbook because he makes these really, like he still makes these really amazing flavorful dishes. It's good food. It's just a lot healthier and he's making it for himself. So he'll make um, a pizza, but he'll make it with a chicken crust. Like he'll make the crust out of chicken. Um, and he'll do, you know, or he'll do some really good, I'm trying to think like um, different types of steak or meat and He's just a great, a great chef. Like he has some pictures on social media he'll share. And so he's working on a cookbook, but we spent that whole episode, like two and a half hours, just because I wanted to really get into how did you go about losing all that weight? Cause it didn't happen overnight. It took him, um, I want to say over a year to do all of that, but so many people want to do that. So many people wish they could make a change even, you know, even if it's not 130 pounds, if it's 20, 50, 60, whatever. And so we just really went through that, but we didn't even get to do the the fun fat kid part and talk about food and talk about what his cookbook oh, is going to include. Yeah, so I do want to do another one. I think we'll probably do it when he's all done with the cookbook. So that was a great episode where, um, yeah, I just dug into it and I was like, no, like tell me exactly what you did and like what were your calories and what were your macros and what were you doing in the gym and that could be really interesting because. Uh... Like in his case, and I've had some of this, you've had some of this, we've talked about it uh, on runs and stuff, um, is when you've gone through a transition like that, it doesn't just have to be weight loss, but any transition where you come out a lot different, Mm -hmm. you can view yourself before and you have all this new context and a lot of it's just hilarious. Like like I talked about when you, when I, the first time I started weighing out food a lot, it was like, oh, I was eating seven cups of cereal every (laughs) day. That wasn't that's one. That's what a cup looks like. Oh. That's why I was 220 for so long. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, a cup is not one mixing bowl size. Yeah. I should also say back to the motivations, because um, you asked it in a certain way I wanted to say. Um, most of the stuff I do in terms of running and whatnot, I'm not really a purist about it. I kind of need distraction. Um so Joe Rogan podcast, Mark Marin. I'm, I'm usually almost always listening to a podcast unless I'm lifting and then I want house music. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, that, that's what, that's, that's what helps get me going. And <laughs> I tried pre-workout for the first time a year ago because you and Luke brought it to my attention and that was quite motivating. <laughs> the drive was a little sketchy, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think that was, I can remember a solid 30 minutes at the gym where I just felt euphoric and Hulk-like in my ability to just like engage in the lift and mm-hmm. feel it and yeah I given this podcast I, I should say striation so mm-hmm. I, can, I can say that word came up nice I can get I can get you some more pre-workout too if that'll help well the caffeine I get caffeine headaches oh, I get okay. addicted kind of quickly they have ones they have ones that are less stimulants and they're more like for pumps like getting good pumps well, I can yeah, find you pre-workout yeah Cool. I went through a phase where I took uh, green tea capsules from Costco because mm-hmm. they were supposed to help with the weight loss. Mm-hmm. And I just they, they jazzed me, and uh, I stopped doing them after a while. Like any habit, just kind of eh, I'm over those. And I just started getting splitting headaches, and I didn't realize why. And I went and looked at the bottle. Caffeine we jacked with caffeine. Yeah. And I think at the time I didn't realize. Like I thought green tea was this non-caffeine. Yeah, the green tea. It's like or green coffee bean. Both of those. It's kind of like a softer version of caffeine pretty much but yeah no this is um i'd say we wrap it up i mean this has been great chris i really appreciate having you on 
Um, I think a lot of the stuff we talked about is really helpful, not just for fitness competitors, but for anybody who maybe needs to work on their mental game a little bit. And I would say needs to. That's or wants to. Wants to. Okay, yeah. Wants to. You know, it's kind of like somebody who's interested in it. The kind of con- <laughs> the kind of conversations we're having, for me at least, it's when I run across those in a book or a podcast or something. It's like a new door opens up. Mm-hmm. Although you and I do know people who are like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity, and I'm. Uh, one thing I've been practicing is getting more comfortable doing this kind of thing, and you know, no one's going to promote you for you, and mm-hmm. this isn't promotion for me per se, but it's one step. Let's closer. talk about our knowledge, talk about our insights, share it, and you know, there's going to be probably one, at least one person you weren't expecting that comes back and says that really changed my viewpoint on something, and. That's why one reason I looked at you and I was like, well, you're five to eight years ahead of me. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with my coaching. I'm trying to, for anyone that mm-hmm. is living my kind of life, or not living my kind of life, but has pieces of this mindset, I want to, I want to shortcut them to this, as much as possible, to this mm-hmm. kind of, these kind of improvements. Because it's, it leads to a higher quality of life. That's, that's what we're talking about here. Awesome. Who wouldn't want that? So... So cheers to be yeah. listeners and yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. That's it for this week's episode of Bikini Things. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. That's it.